Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being here. Welcome, everybody watching online. Hope that you're having a great vacation or enjoying the CrossFit Games, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, but it's good to be together. My name's Jeff. If we haven't met before, I'd love to meet you and say hi to you. And excited to jump into a new series this weekend. So we're going to go down this path of thinking about with or without. What are things that I should introduce into my life that I want to live with? What are things that I should push out of my life that I need to live without? And ultimately, of course, always is what does God say? What does God say are things that should be introduced into my life that will help me to live the life that he's called me to live, be the person he's called me to be? And what are things that I should push out of my life? The Bible would say it this way, things I should rid myself of or ways I should renew my mind and think differently or maybe things I should flee from, things that I should live without in my life. What do I bring in and what do I push out, right? And we look at it and saying that there, there's a lot like that. There's habits, there's lies that we believe, whether about ourselves or even cultural lies, there's secret sin that we have that we may need to push out of our life. And then there's biblical practice, there's God's truth that I would lock on to instead of these other things I'm locking on to. And it's a part of the Christian life. It's bringing things in, pushing things out, and allowing God to renew me and to make me into the new creation that, that, that he offers to make me through my salvation, all right? And so we want to look and say, what do we live with, live without? About four or five years ago, I got a kidney stone. And if you've never had a kidney stone, you're welcome. Like, you don't want one, right? And so I got a kidney stone, and it's a miserable, miserable thing. And after I got a kidney stone, I decided one of my goals in life is to not have a kidney stone, right? And so I got a kidney stone, and I, uh, after kind of it passed and things like that, I went to my doctor, and I said, Doc, I said, why did I get a kidney stone? And how do I never have that happen again until Jesus comes back? And she said, well, let me run some blood work. So she ran some blood work and did some tests and came back. And apparently there's different types of kidney stones. And so I got this unique variety of kidney stones that, that really only really super attractive people get. And so I got that kind of a kidney stone. And she said, uh, she said, well, you have this kind of kidney stone. I said, what would I do to not get that type of kidney stone before again? And she goes, well, the good news about your type of kidney stone is there are some things that you can do that kind of will help prevent them. And I said, like what? She goes, well, the, the number one cause of this type of kidney stone is dehydration. And she goes, how much water are you drinking? And I said, by water, do you mean like liquid? I drink a lot of liquid, like all day, every day. She goes, no, like water. And I said, like, do you mean like it started off as water and then the chemicals were added into it and I put it in my body? And she's like, no, just like normal, clean water. I said, I drink a lot of water that has been filtered through coffee grounds. I drink a lot of that. She goes, Jeff, she goes, how much coffee do you drink a day? And I said, I don't drink more than a pot or two a day. And she goes, do you put anything in it? I was like, I, the only thing I put in it is a significant amount of refined sugar and chemical creamer. Whatever the gas station has available, I put in my coffee. And she goes, how much? I said, well, I said, think of it as like a hot milkshake. That's kind of how I like my coffee. 
She goes, Jeff, she goes, you have to cut back on coffee. That much coffee is dehydrating you. And I was like, whoa, doctor, if you are a doctor. <laughs> now you're talking about me changing and doing something I don't want to do. She said, you're addicted to coffee. I said, I'm not addicted to coffee. I just need it to function. I'm, not, I'm completely not addicted to coffee. She goes, I don't think you understand how much you're drinking and how much you drink coffee and diet soda and you don't drink water and that it dehydrates your body. I said, well, I, do, I don't I think you're right. And she said, listen, she goes, this is what I want you to do. She goes, I want you to keep a coffee journal for two weeks. She said, I want you to write down every time you write coffee, and I want you to measure how much sugar and how much creamer that you're putting in your coffee. I said, okay, if that will help me not get another kidney stone. And she's like, I think we could be on the right track here. So I did. I wrote down every time I had coffee, and I started to measure all the sugar and all the cream that I put in my coffee. And I came back to her and two weeks later, she said, what did you find? I said, I, I found that I, I have an issue. <laughs> I have a real issue. And she says, let's do this. You can have coffee and you can even have some cream and sugar. She goes, but let's supplement like 80% of this was just like water. And she goes, I think if you do that, you'll be hydrated and your type of kidney stone, she goes, I think it'll help you a lot not get another kidney stone. So I did what she said. I let her diagnosed me. I trusted her. And then I followed her prescription. And it's been six years. I haven't had an, another kidney stone. So, so far, I, I think she's on to something, but I, I don't trust her completely yet. Right? So, right? Spiritually, this is what happens where we would look and say, there's things I've introduced into my life. They're familiar. They're comfort. Uh, I look forward to them even. They're even pleasurable. But I'm getting these pains in my life. And I would like these pains to go away. I'd like these frustrations to go away. I'd like my life to play out differently if I stopped and said, why is that happening? Or maybe not happening. Why is this frustration there? And if I let God diagnose me and walk me through that, I might be surprised. I would have never tied my kidney stones to dehydration. I just figured some cat was poisoning me or something, right? I would never tie that together. When I get the diagnosis, I get a different path. I'll get a prescription, so to say, that I would not have thought of but it might lead me to the place that I want to be and truly that God wants me to be, right? Now, if we're going to do that, if we're going to diagnose ourselves, what does that look like and how does that play, okay? Because here's the deal. I wrote this in, in my notes. It said this, that the healing and the help that we want are available, but we have to decide if we want to live with or without the issues in our lives, so when we look and say, I'm frustrated, I want to make a change, I need to do something different, or this sin is defeating me, or this habit's overwhelming me, it's not because God checked out. It's not because God's word doesn't work. It's not because God doesn't have the power to work in your life. The, the healing and the help are available, but I have to make some decisions how am I going to engage God's word? How am I going to engage what God says? It's not that it doesn't work. It's that I may not be receiving it. I may not know about it. That's okay. Maybe we just don't know yet. Or I may be just ignoring what God says. The, the relief is there. The different life is there. But there's a path 
that God would take us down. And he would look at us and say, you, I want to work with you. I love you guys. I want to work with you to bring that diagnosis to bear on, on your life, okay? Now, let me ask you this question. If I was going to diagnose my own problem, who, let me ask it this way. Who's the worst person on planet Earth to diagnose their own problem when they don't know what's wrong with them? It's who? It's you, right? You're the worst person. If I would have known what to do about my kidney stone, I would have just handled it, right? When I don't know what's wrong with me, and I don't like the path that I'm going down, and I, I can't get myself off of that path, I'm the worst person to look at myself and say, this, this is my problem, or I would just have fixed it. And God would look at us and he would say, I want to lean into something here. I want you guys, first of all, to know that when you think about these lies you believe and these habits that you're part of, these sins that you're hiding, the worst person to diagnose those things is you. In fact, the last person you should trust when it comes to diagnosing those things is yourself. And God actually says this in Jeremiah chapter 17, 9. He's talking about our heart. And he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could understand it? And he would look at us and say, guys, your heart is deceitful, right? Because my heart will tell me whatever I want my heart to tell me. My heart, I will always rationalize my sin. I will always give credibility to my selfishness. I will, I will, my rationales are always brilliant, right? They make sense to me. When I have a relational conflict, I am 99% sure you're the problem most of the time because my heart will tell me that. And God says, listen, when we're talking about issues of lies and sins and habits, to look to yourself and say, I'm going to handle that is, is, is crazy because you are deceitful. You are desperately wicked. When the heart is left unchecked by the word and the power of God, it will always bend itself to sin. It's our very nature as a human being, right? The last person you should trust is yourself. You don't trust your heart. I don't care what Jiminy Cricket says or the Little Mermaid says. You don't listen to those people. And you don't trust your heart because your heart will lead you away from God and to whatever rationale satisfies you. The reason why that sin isn't as big of a deal as God says it is, is, and that rationale will make sense to you. And you live, the reason why that lie is the lie that I'm going to follow is, and that is the lie. And even we can look and say, I'm going to resist God's word. Now, let's think about this for a second. Can we agree? Can we agree that if you could solve your own problems, you would have by now? Can we agree that if you could figure out that fight that you have with your spouse that, that happens every three to six weeks, you know, the one, the one, every, by the way, every couple has that one thing. And so that one thing, you're like, oh, here we are again, right? I'm doing this again. I'm doing it. Can we agree that 10 years in, if you could have argued yourself to the conclusion where both of you could live with it, you would have done it by now? Can we agree that that lie you believe, when somebody hurt you as a child and you believed a lie that they told you, 
And that deep insecurity and that deep sense of, of I have to find value and worth in something other than Christ, can we agree that if you could have unraveled that lie, you would have unraveled it on your own by now because you hate the lie, you don't like the fact that you feel that insecure about everything? Can we agree that if you could overcome that destructive habit that is damaging you and your relationships, that if you, could, if, if you could have finally said, you know what, I mean it this time, no more porn, and there was actually no more porn, no more gossip, and there was actually no, no more gossip, it, can we agree that if you could have just declared that and overcome it, you would have just done it by now because it frustrates you too? When you see your greed and your selfishness and your lack of compassion, your lack of discipline and all the things that frustrate you your life, if you could have healed that friendship, you would have healed it by now. If you could have restored your relationship with your mom and dad, you would have done it by now. Can we agree that if I had the power to alter things myself, I would have just done it if for no other reason to, to relieve the pain and the frustration in my life? One of, the, one of the biggest lies that's told in our culture today, the fancy word for it is the word humanism. Humanism. And humanism expresses itself this way. Today we would call it positive thinking. And it's this idea that the way to solve the problems for human beings is to be a better human being. And if I could think positively or I could achieve my best life now, or I could empower my spirituality to my own victory. Or if you just did you, just find your own truth and reality and do that, then all of my happiness would kick into place, all of my problems would go away because I overcame my own issues. And God would look and say, your heart will tell you that makes sense. Your heart will long for that. Your heart will buy into that every single time. And be careful because it's deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. It's gonna long for sin. God would look at us and say, that, that nature has to be interrupted. And it has to be interrupted by me. It's a big reason why Jesus came, one of them, and he came to, to save us, to rescue us, to transform us, and to transform and renew the heart, to draw us out of something that we can't get out of ourselves and to take us down a path that we wanna be on ourselves. And God would look and say, because you can't figure that out, you have to let me figure that out for you. You don't know why you got the kidney stone. Let me diagnose that for you and help you understand it. Now, what God would say is this. I'm gonna help you diagnose that. There's several things that he helps us to do that with, but the main thing God uses to help us diagnose our problems so we can see ourselves for who we really are and what we really are is his word, the Bible. And so the apostle James talks about this in James chapter one, verse 22. He's talking about how we interact with the Bible. And he says this in verse 22, he says, don't merely listen to the word, that's the Bible. Don't just merely listen to the Bible and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James kind of starts with this warning and he's kind of leaning into what the prophet Jeremiah said. He goes, guys, listen, don't forget your heart's deceitful. And it's wicked. So remember that even when you're interacting with God's word, 
when you interact with God's word, don't just hear the Bible. The Bible is not there to inspire you. The Bible is not there to, to just give you uh, catchy phrases that cause you to draw on when you want to do certain things for yourself. So don't just hear God's word and, and don't just blow it off. The person who hears it and doesn't enact it is like a person who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what they look like. They had a great time at service that weekend because the band was good and the pastor's sexy. And so they had a great time that weekend. But then I felt inspired. I felt a little bit uplifted. And then I went and did whatever I wanted to do. And I trusted my own heart again. James would say, don't just listen to God's word. You take God's word and you dig into it. What it serves as is a mirror. When you look at God's word, what it does is it reflects back to you the reality of who you actually are. See? When I look at God's word and I think, man, I'm a really good person, God's word will look at you and say, actually, your heart is desperately wicked. Man, I just have the best intentions of the world. God's word will look at you and say, actually, you're naturally selfish. It just reflects back. When you look at a mirror, a mirror is not judgmental. A mirror doesn't have an opinion. A mirror doesn't have an agenda. A, a, a mirror doesn't have an intention. All it does is tell you what is looking into it. And the scripture says, God's word, you, we use it that way. That instead of trusting my heart or my opinion or my rationales, when I'm looking at the issues in my life, if I will look into the mirror of God's word, that mirror will diagnose me correctly. But if I walk away and forget what I look like, it will damage me. When I was a teenager, my mom was looking in the mirror one day. And she was looking in the mirror, she saw these spots on her nose, right? And, and she walked, she put her makeup on, went to work, and next day she looked in the mirror, she nosed them again. And she did this for a couple of weeks and she noticed that they were getting bigger, they were getting darker, the edges were kind of, kind of rough and weird. And she looked at that and she said, I should go see the doctor. The mirror is telling me something. She went to the doctor, she found out she had skin cancer on her nose, right? The mirror didn't judge her. When she looked at the mirror, the mirror wasn't like, Phyllis, with your complexion, what are you out in the sun for? right? The mirror wasn't patronizing. Phyllis, you're getting older. Those are age spots. See? The mirror didn't have an agenda. The mirror just showed her what the reality of her life was. If she would have ignored the reality of her life, all kinds of bad things happened. But when she allowed the mirror to tell her the reality of her life, she went to the physician, I see something in the mirror. And that something isn't something that I should just run rampant in my life. That something isn't something I self-diagnose. If I could self-diagnose and care for myself, I would have done it. If I knew immediately, oh, it's a pimple, I would have known that. But I don't know. I don't know how to break this habit. I don't know how to diffuse this lie. I don't know how to reveal this sin and bring it into the light and out of the darkness. I don't know what to do. I'm not even sure why that's happening. So I'm going to go to the place in which I can get the answer. And God says, my word does that for you. You look at it, it's a mirror, it's going to reflect back. But you don't walk away from it unchanged. You let the mirror do what it's supposed to 
do. And then God goes on and he says this. He said, but when whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God says, when you see something in the mirror, you don't forget about it and walk away, and I don't know what that was, and I don't care, and I don't want to know. When you see something in the mirror of God's word, what you do is you lean in. What is that? And what is happening there? And why is that? You look intently into the perfect law. The word intently, think of it this way. When I see something in the mirror, when I'm looking at something in the mirror intently, I just start asking the question, why? Why? Why am I like that? Why is that a weakness in my life? Why is that going on? All of us who have kids have had some scenario like this, right? So Heidi, my wife and I, we have five, we have six kids, five boys and one girl. And when the boys were little, they would fight because they're all kind of like devil spawns. And then my daughter, she, she prayed and sang songs to Jesus most of the time, so she never did anything wrong. But my boys are evil. And so they would fight, and this is what would happen. When they were little, they would get in this fight, and I would go to them. One of them would hit the other one, and, and I would go to them, and I would set the aggressor down, and I would ask some version of this question. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And my sons would say to me some version of this answer. What would they say, parents? I don't know. I don't know. Why did you hit your brother? I don't know. Why did you steal the cookie? I don't know. Why did you shave the cat? Right? Well, you taught me to, Dad. You're a good boy, right? So, why did you do that? I don't know. Now, when they're little, it's no big deal, right? I, I'm going to explain to you, just a little kid. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to help you understand why. We're going to look intently into this problem. Now, as they get older and they become teenagers and something happens, they say, down, why did you do that? I don't know. Their voice changes. I don't know. Well, honey, why would you do that? I don't know. Well, why, would you, why would you hit your brother? I don't know. Right? Now, when you're 50, why'd you cheat on her, man? I don't know. Why, you, you had a, a beautiful family. Why did you make that decision? I don't know. Your life was going down a great... Why did you self-destruct your life? I don't know. Why is this habit still dominating you? I don't know. See, all of a sudden, the I don't know question becomes a dangerous, devastating question. And a lot of times the reason that, that question is still there is because along the way, we heard the word of God, but we never looked intently into the perfect law. That, that spot's been on your nose since you were a kid. You never checked that out? No. Why not? I was just born that way. It, now it's a part of who I am. It would look funny if I got it taken off. Shouldn't you find out if it's cancer or not? And God would look and say... The mirror does that. And when the mirror reveals something to me, I don't blame the mirror. I don't get upset at the mirror. I don't walk away and quit looking in the mirror. I lean in 
What is that? Why is that? How come I'm like this? What in the world do I do about it? Because I've tried everything I could come up with. And God says when we look into the mirror, we look into it intently, what we come out with is freedom. God would look and say, there, there is healing and there is help. There are ways to break out of these cycles of sin and dysfunction and, and pain. And all There's all kinds of freedom. But you have to decide if you want freedom or not because that spot becomes really familiar over time. And I want to give you something different. I want to set you free from it. I, I, I want to I bless you. But you have to interact with the mirror. The way the mirror was designed to be interacted with. Because all it's doing you, all it's doing is showing you reality. And accepting and embracing reality that's the decision that you have to make. See. Now, guys, what's going to happen is over the course of this series, we're going we're gonna to dig into God's word, and, and you're going to find some reality pointing back at you. And I, I tell you, it's going to be a little ouchy. I'll just be honest with you. Right? It's going to be a little ouchy. And so if you, don't, if you don't want, you know, to have any ouchy stuff spiritually, you should probably skip church for the next few weeks because it's going to be what's going to do. But it's not going to be ouchy because Jeff, you know, tells you 10 things that's wrong with you. All we're going to do is look at the mirror. And we're going to look at the things that are in our lives. And we're going to hold them in front of the mirror of the Word of God and let God's Word and the Holy Spirit define for us whether they should be in our lives or out of our lives. We're going to let God's Word do the diagnosing to walk us through the problem and to write us the prescriptions, right? And some of these areas we're going to look at, the lies we believe, the habits we have, the secrets that we hide, they are familiar things to us. Things that have been welcomed into our lives, lots of coffee with way too much cream and sugar. Jeff, when did you pick up the habit of drinking two or three pots a day? I didn't have an answer to that question. I was like, I don't know. I just, I've kind of just always done it. All like in your baby bottle? I don't know. My mom was from Kentucky. I, don't know. <laughs> I had to think it through, and all of a sudden, I realized. I remember I, I picked it up in college, trying to stay awake. And then there was grad school, and then there was doctoral stuff, and like I'm just trying to stay awake. And then it became a familiar thing, and then it became the first thing I longed for in the morning, and then it became a comfort, and then it became a reward, and then it became the thing that kind of put me to sleep at night. And it just overwhelmed my system. It was normal. It was natural. It was easy. I never thought it was making me sick. In fact, I read an article one time, it's good for your liver, right? And suddenly, something interrupted that that motivated me to do something different. The pain and the frustration of a kidney stone, I will pretty much do anything to not get another kidney stone. It hurts that bad. I need you to walk me through it, Doc. Because if I could have avoided that pain on my own, I would definitely do that myself. But since I don't even know where it comes from, 
And now you're giving me this very intrusive prescription that I would never choose. I want to accept that. Because I don't want to go back there again. I'm going to look intently. Find out why. And follow the course that God has laid out for me. It's interesting. In the verse right before these, in verse 21... James said, he tells us to get rid of a few things. So he actually says, rid yourself of all moral filth and all this other stuff that's ungodly. And then he, he says this, he says in this, in kind of in this tone, he says, you need to be without these things in your life. And what you need to do is this, when you pull these things out of your life, these, this moral filth and this ungodly way of thinking, what you need to do is pull those things out of your life. And then what you need to add into your life is actually the word of God. So he says it this way. He says, rid yourself of all these things and then humbly accept the word planted in you. I'm gonna pull out these lies. I'm gonna insert truth, God's word. I'm gonna pull out these things I believe. They're just my opinions and my life experiences and the way I grew up. And I'm gonna insert God's truth. I'm gonna be without these things, but I wanna be with these things, right? He says, you need to humbly accept the word of God planted in you. Now, what does humbly accept means? Humble is the idea of laying aside my rights. I have the right to believe whatever I want to believe. Go for it. It's America. I have the right to my own opinions. I have the right to my life experiences. I have the right to my preconceived ideas. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm going to lay that aside. All that I ever thought was true and normal all my opinions and worldviews that everybody agrees with, I'm going to lay that aside and I'm going to accept God's word. I'm going to welcome that into my life and allow that to be the definer of truth in my life. So accepting God's word, what does he mean by this? And this is, by the way, this is the process that we're going to go through for the next few weeks. We're going to go through this with, without process, Okay. So I'm pulling out that stuff, I'm humbly setting aside, and then I'm bringing in what? What am I accepting? Well, God would say, if you want to have a new victory and a new change in these things, the first thing you have to do is accept my diagnosis. That the issue is not your behavior. The issue is not your spouse. The issue is not your parents. The issue is not your culture. The issue is not your addictions. The issue is actually your heart. God says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The problem is, is that your heart is sinful. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. And at the core of all of your struggles is this battle between your old nature and God's desired new nature. It's not the way you were raised. It's not the way you were born. It's not the things you habitually done, not at its core. See? At its core is an issue of the heart. And if we do not allow God to transform and change the heart, then the external behaviors of our heart expressions will never be altered anyways. See? So God says, we have to start there, right? The issue is that you're dehydrated. That's the issue. And I have to accept that diagnosis if I don't want to go through that pain again. 
So God would say, let's have a heart conversation. This is not 10 ways to improve your life. This is not five steps to, to you know, positive thinking. That's not what any of that stuff is. You can watch those guys on TV. You won't find it here, right? So this is the real conversation about what's going on in your heart, except God's diagnosis. Now, here's the second thing. Accepting, humbly accepting the word of God planted in me is accepting what God says about me. And the second thing is this. I gotta trust the physician, I have to accept the diagnoser of my issues. I love this passage, Jesus' words, John chapter 3, verse 17. He says this, God, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I gotta trust why God is telling me the things that he's telling me. Listen, God is not out to get you. He would have got you. He knows what you did last night, last weekend, and last summer. If God wanted to nail you with a lightning bolt, you have given him countless reasons to nail you with a lightning bolt. He did not come to the world to condemn the world. We have condemned ourselves in our own rebellion and independence and sin. Jesus came to rescue us from our sin, to rescue us from ourselves. The heart of the physician is not to hold up the mirror and say, here are the 31 things that are wrong with you, dummy. Here's a, here's a 15 reasons why you're a jerk. You're, you know what your problem is? You have the sin that nobody wants to have. It's not what the word is doing. It's not what the mirror is doing. We, God judges our actions and judges our heart. He is not judgmental about it. He's not there to accuse you. Actually, the devil is the one who does that. He's not there to condemn you. We're condemned. He's there to save us. So when God looks at us and says, when the mirror, we stand in front of the mirror and the mirror says, there is something wrong on your nose. God is doing that because he loves you. Your, your moral activities are going to damage your soul. You're just trying to control me. <clears throat> now, if I want to control you, it's pretty easy. I could create you, and so I could turn you into a cat, transfer you to Michigan, do all kinds of horrible things, right? I'm, I'm telling you that this is what's going on. Well, you know, I'm just... I just have a bad temper. No, you're destroying relationships and anger comes from the heart. Well, you're being a jerk about it. I'm just telling you the truth of what's going on, see? Because I love you. People who actually love you will tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. People who hate you will agree with you about whatever you think and will, uh, will not care what you believe. God loves us, and so he's truthful with us. The physician is diagnosing us correctly because he actually wants us to be well. See? So I humbly accept the diagnosis. I humbly accept the heart of the physician, and then I humbly accept the prescription. The prescription. This is what the Bible says, I love this passage, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all scriptures God breathed and it's useful. These are the words of God given to us through the scripture and it's useful for what? To teach me. See, I don't, I didn't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what to do about it. Oh, I have a prescription for you. Do these things 
and you will have healing and help, right? To rebuke me. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yes, you do. Oh, I don't. I, I don't know why I'm unhealthy. I don't know, the three packs a day. Come on, everybody knows that. Everybody knows. Come on. Rebukes you. Right? It's not a problem. Yes, it is. If God loves me, he'd let me do it. He loves you and he won't. See? He rebukes you. It corrects me. This is this idea of steering like a child. Right? I, I don't know why I did it. Well, let me, let me tell you why. Oh, now let's talk about how to not do that again. If you want a cookie, ask for it. Okay. Corrects me and trains me in righteousness. How am I supposed, I don't know how to do this. Well, the word of God will train you and help you to do that. And I love it. It's all God breathed. It's all useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you know that God wants you to have the deep desires of your heart? That's actually true. What's not true is the heretical stuff that's on TV, that God wants you to be rich and he wants you to be healthy all the time, he wants your hair to grow back, all that kind of stuff. That, that stuff is all garbage. But God does want you to have the desires of your heart. He does want to bless you and he is in agreement with those things. So when you look and say things like this, this addiction is destroying me and the people that I love. I want to have victory over this addiction. God will look and say, I agree with you. I also want you to have victory over that. I also want you to not destroy the people that you love. I want to bless and empower you in your process of having victory over that addiction. Living a morally pure life is very, very difficult because, because this sex is everywhere and it's available. And I want to live a morally pure life. And, and I, I want to honor God with my body. God will look and say, I agree with you. I also want that for you because a sexual sin is not just against another person. It's actually against yourself. That's why it's so destructive and has so many ramifications. I want you to have the same freedom that you want to have. I want to disciple my kids, but I don't even know who my dad is. He's a jerk. He walked out of me. I know nothing about being a father and now I'm supposed to be a pastor of my own home and lead my own children spiritually. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Oh, I want you to be able to do that too. I will train you and empower you. We want to have a great marriage that our kids would long for and it models things, but we, we just both came from dysfunctional homes and birds of a feather dysfunction together. That's how we found each other. We don't even know how to do that, but we want it. I want that for you too, God might say. And I want to bless you with that. I want to empower you for that. I want you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the process of bringing that about in your life starts with the mirror. It's not behavior modification, it's heart transformation. And this is why I gave you the word of God. It's part of why it's useful and what it's useful for. That when you gaze into this, it will tell you the reality of your own life, right? And if you will do that, and you will look at some of these areas in your life, and you will import truth and 
export lies. And you will trust the diagnosis, you'll trust the heart and mind of the physician and act on the prescription. All of a sudden, the deep things, not the shallow stuff, the new car, new job, the deep things. God wants to give you those desires of your heart, the parts of your heart that desires what God desires, he wants to give you and he wants to empower you with. So that's the, that's the trip we're going to take for the next few weeks. And I, I told you, it's, it's, there's times you're going to be like, why did I come to church this weekend? I don't like this. This change is hard, right? And, and there, there's areas of your life that you're used to, you're familiar with. Sin and habits and secrets become friends. And I don't want to, I don't know if I can dislodge these things or not. But if you look and say, you know what, it's, it's time to do this. It's time to change. I want to know God. I want to know like the power of his resurrection. I'm willing to share in his sufferings. I want to become the person God has called me to be. I think in these areas that we're going to kind of map out for the next little bit, that this is going to be helpful. All of this starts in the mirror. And whether it's a conversation we're going to have for the next few weeks or the rest of your life and your interaction with God and people, it starts with the mirror and allowing God's word, not to be just a hearer of the word, but a doer of it, importing that truth, exporting the lies and making the truth the foundation of our lives as we move forward. Right? I think this weekend, the place to start kind of in life, but even specifically for this series, is to kind of latch onto that. Maybe a couple things to pray about would be this. Maybe it's just time to change. Where, where you've looked and the cycles of sin and secrets and lies, have, you just are done. And you look and say, I... I actually need to give myself this. I've been trying to do it. It doesn't work. If I could have solved it, I would have solved it. So maybe praying and saying, God, I want to change or God reveal to me what needs to change within me. It's a place to start. The second prayer maybe you could pray is this one. God, help me to be humble. Help me to be humble. What I think, what I feel, and what our culture says is fine is irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Who God is, what he says, and the life he calls us to is the only thing that's relevant. So maybe praying, God, help me to humbly accept your word and point out to me and help me to surrender the the arenas of pride within my heart, the parts of my life I don't want to give to you. Maybe ask God just to open those doors and to give you kind of a season of spiritual growth and victory here as we move forward, okay? Let me bow our heads. We pray for a little bit. Band will come out, give us some quiet moments to reflect. Jesus, would you help us with this? Would you show me and my heart? God, I do this all the time. I have secrets. I have attitudes. I have falsehoods. I have bad motivation. The whole nine yards God, I want to serve you. I love you. 
And I need to lean into your power in fresh ways. And so, God, for all of us, would you show us those things about ourselves? Would you help us to yield them to you? And Holy Spirit, as you reveal those things and bring the word of God to bear, would you start changing us? Help us to be the people you've called us to be. In these moments, God, would you press in in a unique way? We ask these things in your name, Jesus.